0: everybody welcome back to the Yankees magazine podcast special mailbag edition I'm Hillary Georgie and with me is Nathan makaborski
1: hello there and John Schwartz hey there
0: how's it going everybody
1: great this is this is exciting
0: I'm I'm pretty pumped we got some pretty good questions I'm not gonna lie yeah how are you feeling John
2: I'm gonna reserve judgment until I see how we do on this
0: oh okay all right <laughs> John's skepticism as always thank you uh, I'm just
1: excited to uh not be thinking about college football for five minutes here because we are up to our eyeballs in pinstripe bowl preparations so we it, are helmets n- deep in, yeah, in pinstripe bowl it's nice to take a little break and think about yankees magazine and baseball so so let's do this
0: i'm excited all right where should we start
2: I guess let's dive right in what's the first question you got for us uh, give us i would say uh, the name of the person or the handle of the person and we can all right. No all
0: right i think we start with uh caroline on twitter at c schlump which yankees player from the past 20 years has been the best slash easiest to interview and why nate why don't you start because i feel like you've been here at the yankees the longest <laughs> for almost Although you years. and john have been in baseball for a pretty long time
1: it's true i've been here since 2007 and uh Prior to that, worked in MLB's publications department for a few years. So, I am in my second decade of, of covering baseball. Um, best or easiest to interview, you know. There's a lot that come to mind. You know, we kind of uh, <laughs> we give John grief sometimes for being such a Carlos <laughs> Beltran fan, but uh, he was he's one guy who sticks out in my mind as just always being really uh, you know interesting to talk to and. You know, I remember one time, uh, I guess he, he had just hit a milestone home run when he was here. I want to say it was maybe 300 or 400, 400, maybe? maybe it was his 400th he hit while he was here. And, uh, you know, I, I approached him at his locker the next day and, uh, the locker next to him was open, and he's like, here, have a seat, you know, sit down, get comfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> that doesn't always happen. But he was just always really insightful and had uh, really great things to say. So so Carlos is one guy who sticks out in my mind. And, um, you know, another I think for me has been – Uh, particularly in in recent years. uh, You know, Brett Gardner is just a guy who's kind of a go-to, and and I think he's really gotten comfortable in in his leadership role. So, you know, if you ever need to get a a real kind of just sense of the team, you know, what's what's the current state of the Yankees? uh, He's always going to give you the, the real truth. And uh, and and also, you know, if uh, if he doesn't like your questions, a little... well, he's not shy about it. he's, <laughs> he's like, not no. shy about letting you <laughs> know like, either. Straight face, no. <laughs> which, which I appreciate, you know. I, I feel like he's. Um, I've read a lot about Thurman Munson, and you know, read books about him, and talked to people who were around when when Thurman was here, and I feel like Brett has certain similar qualities. Um, so uh, he he would be one of my guys that I would put on that list as as being among the best to interview john it's a really hard question i mean the funny thing is i i assume the
2: same goes for you you know everyone always asks you who the worst ones to interview are Mm -hmm. um, who are the jerks and (laughs) i mean look i'm not this is a good clubhouse it hasn't always been in the time i've been around the yankees it's been difficult often um this is a very easy clubhouse to get stuff done in Mm -hmm. you know I, i i don't know i think my first guy i'll say is someone who's not a surprise if you're around the industry, maybe it is a little bit if you're not, but it would be Jason Giambi, who was just really interesting, very smart, really willing to inform you and teach you about something you didn't know. He was very available, especially even when things were not awesome for him. He was very available and easy to get, um, and I always enjoyed being able to talk to him. As far as the current team, Severino always strikes me as a guy who wants to explain to you what he's saying. First off, you know, for a guy who taught himself English, essentially, it's incredible how a great job he does communicating. But it's never enough for him to just say, the easy thing to get out of the question he's gonna like turn around toward you and demonstrate um, you know whether it's a grip or whether it's an arm motion exactly what he's trying to say and I'm always very grateful for that um, and then two just other I'm sorry for overdoing it here maybe it would have been easier if I could have just said Beltron. Um, <laughs> two other guys who I'll throw out one who's still here one who's not similar to what I said about both the other guys Adam Warren and Austin Romine are two guys who I don't know how often I actually quote them in my stories, but I almost, when Warren was here and certainly Romine, I almost always want to go talk to them to get background. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you'll talk to a lot of people, and and I don't mean background, like get dirt on guys. I'm saying you'll talk to a lot of people who are going to try to explain, who are going to try to answer your question. And then I'll often go to Romine and say, can you explain to me what this means Mm -hmm. Um, really clearly? Like not just, you know, in the jargon of, you know, the clubhouse, but like when a pitcher is telling me, you know, why he wants to do this backwards or whatever. Like, just break it down for me exactly what that means. You know, oftentimes, I'll understand in general through just my knowledge of the game what the pitcher's saying but Roman can do a much better job than I can of trying to explain to me why it's important and how I can then describe it to readers in a way that they'll understand Mm -hmm. I'm always very and and, and the same thing goes for Adam Warren you know a lot of the relievers just will a lot of the pitchers will just talk about things they're looking to do and oftentimes I would go to Warren and just say can you explain why this is different from what someone else might be doing, and he would always give me that. So I was very grateful for them.
0: Yeah, I agree. John, you uh, took two of the guys that I was going to say. Luis Severino is, I think, I was most surprised by him in how introspective he was and how willing to sit with me he was. When I first did a long sit down interview with him a couple years back I like I wasn't sure if we would need Marlon the translator and Sev. and Sevy was just like no no I'll talk to you in English and he was like and he, it was still pretty new to him like he was just learning English and he was very confident he wanted to explain himself he was and this is after he had struggled mightily in his sophomore season and he was you know, accountable and just willing to open up about how hard it was and how he wanted to be better. And I thought that was incredible. And he's been, like you said, the same way in the years since then. Every single time I talk to him, he wants to explain, he wants to go deep with you. And it's phenomenal. He's a great resource. Yeah. Big and fan. Yeah. Big fan. And Romine is my pal, and he is my go to. First interview pretty much every single story I write he is my first stop because like you said John he will explain things to me that I might not necessarily know or understand and he is just a font of knowledge in that clubhouse
2: and the funny thing is he always tries to say no first mm-hmm. it, it almost <laughs> way, it's like nah go ask him right and it's like okay i did ask him and he said this he's like okay well let me explain to you what he meant and i'm right. like exactly <laughs> like i get the game we have to play where we have to do the first part of that but it's like i feel like one of these days i'll graduate to the point where i'll walk up to him and i'll just be like yes what can i explain to you <laughs> no. but
0: that's uh, a great question
1: yeah, yeah good job caroline thanks for the question
0: all right, so let's do another one from Twitter from Chris Tracy Do you take trade rumors slash considerations into account when deciding content for pubs near the trade deadline? I have to think you don't want to highlight a player that might be on the Royals or Padres when people get the issue. Well, Chris Do we ever <laughs> and this, is the, this is the
1: right time of year to be talking about that, too. Oh, yeah that, That's a great question and the the answer is absolutely
0: our July edit meeting is like, who can we talk about? Yeah. <laughs>
2: and, I'm, and I'm always the... I, I feel like I am always just the one, whether it's cynicism or whatever, who every single pitch, whether it's June or July or August, I'm just like, but what if that guy's not here? Mm-hmm. And like, everyone's faces drop when I say that. And it's like, I'll, I'll say that about everyone, too. Like, we could be talking Aaron about... Aaron Judge. Yeah, what if he's what not here, What if he's here, not though? here? And it's just like... <laughs> so we were writing 14 stories about Whitey Ford and Ron Guidry in our July issue because
0: we think they're safe. <laughs>
1: No, we we certainly think about it and, and we plan, you know, we, we plan our issues out, you know, maybe a month, month and a half in advance. But, you know, we'll talk in March about, OK, so we have eight issues coming up mm-hmm. where there's certain guys that we know are going to be on the cover at some point. Right. And, you know. Certain guys you feel like are really safe. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe, hey, July would be the month to put that guy on the cover. Right. Let's put Stanton on the cover in July, what yeah. do you say? Right. <laughs> yeah, I think, who was last July? Probably it Judge, was Judge, right? Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we've been pretty fortunate, knock on wood. I don't want to jinx anything in that. It was about the only thing we were fortunate with last year in covers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we haven't had, you know, a magazine on newsstands featuring a player who's no longer who's on the no team. No longer there. Yeah. Um, as long as I can remember, I mean, I remember the the last instance I can recall of that happening. Uh, was when Melky Cabrera got sent down to the minors mm-hmm. uh, the month that he appeared on the magazine. So just going by that name, you know that that was quite some time ago. But yeah, good question. And, and for sure, we, we definitely, I mean, we, you know, the rumors and stuff, we don't know anything that you guys don't know. Everyone so. always
2: asks, what are the Yankees going to do? And yeah. it's just like, I don't know, what a Buster Aldi report. Right, exactly. <laughs>
1: you know, when, when we do make a move, a lot of times, you know, my, my friends are the ones who are letting me know that, It's happened. Absolutely. So uh, we we don't have any insider info, um, but we certainly try our best to uh, avoid situations. I'm working on a piece right
2: now for spring, and so I was in. I was lucky enough to be in Aaron Boone's office for a while yesterday, and I was talking to him, and I was just like, "Does." Brian Cashman know your Christmas list? Like, I mean, does he have a very clear idea of what it is that you want? And he was saying, you know, he's involved and, you know, he gets his insight in. And he also admitted that he's checking his phone every minute to wait for that text message (laughs) from Cashman because, you know, he wants to know too. And, you know, these things just kind of happen. And I, I, you know, sometimes it's, that you get a guy and other times is that we're all sitting here at our desks and we all get the MLB.com alert at the exact same time that some guy we thought we were getting is going somewhere else. And mm-hmm. it's just like, cross him off then. Yep. And mm-hmm. Won't be writing about him. Won't one. be writing that story as it turns <laughs> out.
0: Yeah. Great question. Thank you, Chris, for that one. Uh, okay. Let's go to the inbox, the podcast at Yankees.com. Diego asks, Hi, Yankees Magazine podcasters. Really enjoyed the podcast. My question is, is there any former Yankee from any era that you guys never interviewed that you would have loved to interview, like Lou Gehrig or Casey Stengel?
2: I'm gonna, I'll i start this one because I... I love this question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, first off, there there's a very long list. And it, if you expanded it beyond the Yankees, it would just be crazy, too. But I said this, I think on this podcast I said it. I certainly said it in a meeting. Whitey Ford has always been just a guy who I kind of wish I could have like spend some time with and obviously i mean whitey's alive and not that accessible and doesn't really do that much and i don't even know if this is the version of whitey that i necessarily like want to write that story with but like man those 60s teams you know i I think i said on this podcast like mickey was a little scary maybe like whitey's the guy i wanted to hang out with
0: yeah i I always wanted to talk to yogi i never got a chance to talk to yogi Mm -hmm. and i think I don't know, just the life that he lived in so many different ways, I think I would have just loved to sit across from him and not even necessarily interview him for a story, just to speak to him, I think would just have a conversation with him would be amazing. I never got that chance and I think um, he's my guy.
1: Yeah, that was certainly one of the uh, highlights of my career here was, was spending some time with Yogi at his museum one day. You know, we're really fortunate in that You know, the Yankees do such an amazing job with Old Timers Day every year that we do get a chance to talk Mm -hmm. to a lot of these legends. And, you know, whether it's sitting down with Bobby Brown in the dugout or (laughs) another one of the most, like, incredible days I've ever had on the job was uh, spending a day with Jerry Coleman. Um, You know, just those opportunities are, are, you know, they're priceless. Um, But, you know, as far as people who I didn't really get a chance to ever uh, spend time with or, or interview... You know, like I said, I got here in 2007, and George Steinbrenner was still very much a, a, a presence. You know, when when he was in the building, you mm-hmm. knew it. You knew the boss was here. But, you know, it was certainly not <laughs> the boss's, you know, heyday back when he, uh, you know, was on the back page of the newspapers and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just feel like in hearing the stories and, and talking to, you know, our coworkers here who have, who have been here for a lot longer than I have— you know, sort of the, the reverence and the respect that they have for him. You know, everybody calls him Mr. Steinbrenner. And it's not because, you know, they were fearful of him or whatever. It's truly, you know, respect. Sure. And, um, you know, I just, I really would have welcomed that opportunity to, to spend some time with the boss back in the day. Okay. And, and when he passed away in, in 2010, you know, a lot of the stories that uh, you hadn't heard kind of trickled out because he did so much behind the scenes yeah. that he didn't do for public consumption. Um, but, you know, just what an amazing life and uh, I, I think that would have been great. One thing I'll add, which is kind of maybe turning the question around a little bit
2: because I've interviewed Reggie Jackson plenty of times. I would have loved to interview Reggie Jackson in the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I That would be a very different experience than talking to him now. Yeah. Um, you know, he's still punchy and he still you know will you know fight you and whatever and not necessarily smile you when he's answering his questions but you know he, he's definitely reflective and not necessarily the, the guy calling out Thurman Munson in the clubhouse
1: <laughs> um Thurman Munson being him by the way another guy I would have, yeah. loved to have spent some time with and of course you know my first initial reaction to was like Babe Ruth how cool right. would it have been but I almost feel like you know interviewing like his roommate on the road or or one of his teammates (laughs) would have probably been even more interesting
0: (laughs) back to the inbox from jordan pinned what are the yankees going to do to help win a championship this coming year i think we're already seeing it i
2: think i I think the answer is they're going to win two more games in the division series Mm -hmm. and then four games in the lcs and four games in the world series i mean there is no question that this answer is going to be a cop out but the yankees won 100 games last year Yes. Um, the Angels won 100 games last year, despite overwhelming injury missing troubles, missing half
0: their lineup um, for two months. Yeah,
2: I'm not saying everything was perfect. I'm not saying they, you know, there there weren't things that they could or should do differently. I'm not saying the starting pitching right now is necessarily as good as the Astros or the Red Sox. Um, I'm just saying that I think if you play that division series against the Red Sox 100 times. The Yankees don't lose it 100 times last year. I think the Yankees had a good enough team to win the World Series last year. I think that by getting James Paxton in so far, their rotation is better than it was last year. I think there are still things they can do to improve it there. Simply having things like Gary Sanchez having a better season and being around more, whatever they choose to do with the other side of the infield um, with Didi's injury, but then certainly Didi coming back, I expect... I, I think I'm one person who wasn't in any way disappointed by Stanton's first season here, and yet I expect an even better season for him this year. I, I, I just I, I don't know that the team is going to win 100 games next year, but I, I'm perfectly confident that they are one of the teams to choose to win the World Series right now.
0: Yeah.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, we've talked about this on previous episodes of the podcast about how many things didn't go according to plan this year, and yet, like you said, 100 wins postseason – a series against the Red Sox, who, you know, obviously they're the world champs. They had an unbelievable year. But a series against them that could have gone could have gone differently. I mean, those those games, with the exception of one, were all pretty tight. So I, I think, you know, I, I feel pretty confident that th- this team, as currently constructed, is, is capable of doing great things next year. And I'm sure that there are going to be moves made this offseason to make it even stronger. Um, yeah, and- I mean, that's, it, it feels like
2: baseball ended so long ago. And... Granted, spring training feels like it's around the corner in some ways, but there's a long time left. And the, the one thing, it was about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago, that um, the Yankees' number one target of the offseason, Shohei Otani, said he wasn't coming, and it was a failed offseason all of a sudden. And then out of absolutely nowhere, Giancarlo Stan became a Yankee. I think we are kidding ourselves if we think that, like, the moves. look, there are a couple players who are coming off the board who, yeah, were on Yankees' wish lists, and that's too bad. I've never been one step ahead of Brian Cashman and what he's doing. I think there's one time in my baseball writing career when I predicted a move long before it happened, which was that Aroldis Chapman would be traded to the Cubs, because it just made too much sense. Otherwise, I have no idea what the man is thinking, and he usually does his job better than I do.
0: <laughs> yeah, Cashman's pretty smart. I think, I think we're in pretty good hands with him.
1: And, you know, the, the pressure's on a little bit, because I don't know if you've realized this, but since the original Yankee Stadium opened in 1923, mm-hmm. there has never been a decade that has gone by where there wasn't a World Series game at Yankee Stadium.
0: Ooh. Interesting.
1: So 2019.
0: Something's got to happen.
1: We got to get it done. Wow.
0: <laughs> A lot of pressure on that statement. <laughs> that.
2: Just make sure. Let's call Cashman <laughs> and just make sure he knows that. And he put
0: that in his inbox. R- ramp up your efforts. <laughs> Hi, this is Aaron Judge. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. Uh, Okay, I'm going to combine two questions because they're kind of similar. One is from Joni Giamarino at Joan G. Yankee. The print magazine is so exhaustive, covering so much about the team. How long in advance do you start planning an issue? And then... Couple that with one from Dan Weiss at Dan Weiss eighty. Some of your features on prospects and current players are pretty in depth. How long does it take to work on your feature stories? Do you typically know what you want to write about before you start spending time with the athlete, or is the narrative created along the way? I think those two go hand in hand with each other.
1: Good questions, John. You want to dive in on one of these? I think that
2: Hillary and Nate can tell you how much of a pain I am to deal with. When what I'm are you talking to... about? <laughs> <laughs> um... Are you kidding? <laughs> No, I, if, if things are go, I, I love going into a big trip or a big interview with an idea of what I want to write about. And if it's a good story, it will mean that I was wrong about what I wanted to write about. Mm-hmm. My hope when I go on the road or when I start talking to a player is that they... Well, let me rephrase this. I mean, if, if I know what I want to write about, then it's not going to be that interesting because it means that I already knew it before mm-hmm. I started writing it. What I want is to see something that I didn't expect and find a way to write about that, to learn about that and write about that. Are there times when one of us is assigned a story on...
0: XYZ person. Yeah,
2: and and you know, okay, I'm going to write about this and I need to do it in a week and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to get one interview with him and that's going to be... Absolutely. And sometimes they're great, but especially this time of year when we really get, like, some time and some space where we can do things. I never want to go in cold right? because I don't want to embarrass myself by not knowing what I'm talking about. But I sincerely hope, you know, on any trip I take that I will get my story somewhere around day two or three. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Joni, uh, so basically we have what we call edit meetings. We will plan about a month or three weeks in advance that next month's issue. So we'll pitch stories and kind of go from there. Some of them are pitched long before that current month's edit meeting, like we'll pitch something now that we might wanna run in April or May. Um, so it really depends on the story and on the issue, how long in advance we're planning. In terms of myself and my stories, uh, I'm very similar to John in, in, I, in the fact that I like the the story to tell itself, I go in doing research, I go in with questions that I have that I would like answers to, but I mostly let a conversation or a story drive itself and and sit in the passenger seat and watch and take notes and tell that story as it happens. That's my plan of action anyway.
2: And especially I would say, you know, if I'm on the road with someone and let's say I get, you know, two or three days with him, you know, I'll always... To the extent possible, try to make sure. I mean, I want to keep my recorder on most times, and mm-hmm. I want to be. And, and they know I'm holding a notebook in my hands, and obviously they're on guard at some point. But if there's going to be a long interview as part of it, a, a real sit down, I want that to be one of the last things we do. Mm-hmm. I want yeah. to be able to talk about the things I've seen yep. and not have to go back after the fact and ask about these things that you know I didn't even know were going to happen. Um, whether it's you know going to Puerto Rico with Carlos Beltran or the Dominican with Severino or Esteban Florial. I want to make sure that if I'm planning a story about Luis Severino in the Dominican Republic, and I've never been to the Dominican mm-hmm. Republic, I have no idea what to plan about. I want to see that stuff and then talk to him and then ask about the things I've already seen as opposed to ask about things I'm going to say.
0: I also prefer to do background interviews before interviewing the person himself. So I'll talk to just about everybody before I talk to the actual subject of an interview. So I have kind of information ahead of time about what other people say and try mm-hmm. to get their the subject's opinions on those opinions and John, you remark on this all the time. I like to write as <laughs> as I'm reporting, whereas you like to write after you're done reporting. I was literally
2: about to say the exact same thing. What, what I love about this question is that, like, just around this table, it's too. Hillary will write an entire story without having spoken to the main person yet Correct. and then fit it in there.
0: Or I'll, like, delete the yeah, things. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> I mean, she's not just going to keep something.
2: But, <laughs> but um, she just needs to get it on paper, whereas I am a lunatic about like (laughs) if I want a 40th interview I will be sitting there just freaking out at my desk because I can't write anything until I get that because maybe that last interview is the one that's going to give me my lead Mm -hmm. and I I, I do manage to make deadlines I I, I do okay (laughs) and uh, I drive everyone crazy with my pacing and my freaking out and my pounding on the desk but our, our our just methods are so different yeah. to the same end of just writing the 3,000 word story or whatever.
1: We do it completely differently. Mm-hmm. And and that's fine. You know, every writer is different. Um, and, you know, we have deadlines for a reason. And, <laughs> and I'm like you, John. I mean, I, I wait till the last minute because, you know, I like to gather up as much information and quotes and everything kind of throw it into the pot and then I like to let it kind of simmer and stew and I like the everything to kind of mix together in my head and then when I've got an hour before I got to turn it in that's what I write. (laughs) Nate Nate, Nate Um, will be the person who's here at 1 uh. (laughs) a.m. But um, you know I think you you touched on something earlier uh, that I think is really important you know sometimes when I talk to aspiring journalists or whatever like uh, you know I'll tell them like just how important it is and it's sometimes counterintuitive in this day and age to just sit back and observe and wait and watch. Listen. Listen. Mm-hmm. Um because, you know, sometimes I'll be at an event or something, maybe it's Hope Week or, or something along those lines, and everybody gets there, the reporters get there and they see a Yankees player and they crowd around him to ask him questions about it and it's like, well nothing's happened yet. Like let him experience it and and watch what happens and not only are you going to come up with better questions but he's going to have better answers after having gone through the experience Um, so it always kind of baffles me why people just jump all over somebody to ask questions before anything's really happened it's
2: really funny for me also i'm just you know everything is so digital right now everything is so computerized um one thing that i started doing about two years ago weirdly is I've become very reliant on paper um, Mm -hmm. and and writing um, by hand when I'm in the process when I'm losing my mind in that story a lot of the times what I'm doing is like just actually outlining you know with a pen um, in a notebook as I'm like reporting things if I think of like interesting like sentences Mm -hmm. that I want to put in the story I'll write that in my notebook there's just this collection of like weird little sentences of turns of phrase or things like that that I want to hold on to but you know for my first like three sections of a story, I'll usually write them by hand before I'll type them up. I don't know what it is. There's just something about the way that engages my like brain. It, it, it's very primal in a sense almost of just like, you know, this actual, you know, putting it down there and like leaning over a piece of paper instead of staring into the same blank screen that you know, half the time you're just getting nonsense dribble from twitter on it actually feels like you're producing something i feel when i'm writing it on paper and that's something that i've been trying to encourage a lot of writers that i talk to lately like you know it's just like a way of changing things up sometimes just go out of this machine that you're just like completely relying on and, and, and no one's more relying on a computer or phone or whatever than i am but you know just do something different for a few minutes and and i feel like it fires a different part of my brain which
1: i find helpful
0: yeah what do you think a couple more. Let's, go. Let's do a couple more. Okay. Great questions,
1: everybody so far.
0: From Gino Hovarth at Sfll Coach, what is your most special issue of each season that you look forward to the most? Oh man, this is
1: uh, <laughs> you know this is every issue is special to me. Mm-hmm. Let me start by saying that. Sure. Uh, honestly, every every issue of Yankees Magazine that we work on, you know, we I know we all put our whole heart and soul into it. So this is going to be sort of a weird answer because the most special issue that I look forward to the most often ends up going in the trash. <laughs> and that is <laughs> the world series commemorative issue yep. that every time the Yankees make the postseason, we have an edit meeting. We plan it out. We say what we're going to be writing and you know, the, the playoff games, the postseason games that happen here with we, the
0: idea that the Yankees will win the world series.
1: Exactly. We, we all divvy up our assignments and, and we, plan as if we are going to win the World Mm -hmm. Series. So in the event that we do, uh, we have tons of great content ready to roll it out there and have a, something really yep. special for our for our readers. I was, you know, L- let, me, let me just state for the record, by the way, the Yankees are
2: also planning parades and merchandise. And we're not the only ones who are sitting here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. planning out The Yankees World Series no, championship. You, you, Don't you,
1: blame us. You can't wait until, you know, the Yanks, you know, the final out of the World Series and say, oh, we should do something to commemorate this. You have to be proactive. So <laughs> it's not our um, fault. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, 10 years ago in 2009. The hard work was not for naught, and we produced a commemorative issue that, I mean, I still go back and read because I I just loved it. Um, So that's something that's really fun to work on, and sadly, (laughs) a lot of it never sees the light of day.
0: Yeah, it is sad. I don't think I could pick one because I feel like you just never know which issue is going to be like the best issue because you never know where the season's going to take you, I think. There's always something interesting about each issue that we do, about each cover that we choose, about each story that we produce or interview that we, you know, bring to Yankees fans. I think every single issue is different and unique and special and they're all kind of their own animal. See, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go
2: very specific. I'm actually interested. Sean.
0: Uh, oh,
2: I, I love our April issue. Because spring is so hard mm-hmm. because you have so much lead time for it first off, but it's always going to be about new guys. So you have no information on, you know, or it's going to be stories that you're working on in the off season that are going to still matter in March. So they're going to be fairly evergreen and whatever. April, even though you still have basically the same lead time because we do usually try to hold our best stories from the off season for April. Yeah, you you often have the most ambitious stories in there. Um, you know, certainly. I try to make sure that whatever off-season travels I'm doing, I would much rather go in the April issue than the spring issue, for example. just right. If I have two big things, I, I like to think at least that the better one will be in the April issue. The April issue, it's the opening day issue. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you get that very special feel. It's, it, when you start working on it and getting deep into the weeds on it, you get this feeling that, oh my God, it's baseball season again, as opposed to spring where you're doing in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. So, so I really do love the April issue I, I, I think often it is our most ambitious issue I also really love the June issue which is weird because it, it, it's just in the middle of nowhere but June is the first time you actually have things that happen mm-hmm. in the season really right. making like May the turnaround on May is so insane that you just come. I mean, this year is going to be a little easier because we start at home so early mm-hmm. but I think last year what was our first home game like April 10th yeah, yeah. And it then, was pretty late thankfully DD had like eight RPIs right. in that game he right. had already like, gotten to like cover. seven home runs <laughs> you're like okay but we're we're, we're, we're closing the may issue like april 17th usually Mm -hmm. um so you know you're trying to get a little bit in to make it feel like the season's going on because obviously if they're reading it you know around memorial day the season is going on but june is when you really are saying like we are now writing about what is happening in the current baseball season
0: all right one more last one i guess uh how
1: about from judy ashburn oh that's a good one
0: at jca53057 how does it feel to publish the best magazine in the history of mankind parentheses legit question well thank you judy that's very nice of you definitely
1: my favorite question (laughs) (laughs) how does it feel (laughs) nate uh it it feels amazing it's it's a an honor it's a privilege uh to be part of a magazine that is you know predates any of us um it's it's really special, and you know, I know from having grown up in this area and and having gone to games as a kid, uh, just how special it is to see a little kid come to his to come to a game with his mom or dad and see him go to the the kiosk where they're hawking scorecards and they pick up our magazine and you know you see him walk away with that in his hands and it warms my heart. So it's amazing. It's, you know, it never gets old. Every issue is just as exciting as the last one. I always think our next issue is going to be our best issue and uh, I feel really lucky. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, not to put a somber
2: note on it, but this is a very, very difficult time for the uh, um, print media industry right now. And we are extremely fortunate and extremely grateful to our readers because we don't take for granted any single bit of what we get to do. We have an extremely, extremely ambitious mission statement essentially for our magazine. We do more than we probably need to. We do more than I'm, very confident that we do more than any other team in the league does and it's because we think it's important we think it we think that we serve a very vital role in informing fans about the players in the team and what the team is doing in entertaining fans and humanizing a lot of these players Um, it's part of what comes with being part of the new york yankees is that as annoying as it can be for some people to hear you know there's just this drive for you know excellence um and i feel like you really see that in yankees magazine i've you know known and read yankees magazine much longer than i've worked here and you just don't see the level of you know professionalism and like, not to keep repeating myself but ambition in publications like this that we um strive for and you know <laughs> that's a very nice and subjective comment about it being the best magazine um, I, I sure, I certainly agree, but I think there's no question that it's an extremely, extremely good, positive magazine, especially at a time when magazine and print media in general is an easy thing for places to cut and to question, you know, it's a necessity. I think that we always, every day strive to prove that it is a necessity
1: and that there's value to it. You know, I was just going to add that, you know, we all grew up as sports fans and, you know, for me, watching sports is just, so much more enjoyable when you know stuff about the players, Mm -hmm. when you know their backstory. Um, So that kind of always guides me whenever I'm writing stories. I'm thinking about the fan who's watching the Yankees, you know, 162 games a year. Like they're going to root harder for a guy if they know what he's all about or, you know, they're going to cut him a little slack if he's going through a, a tough time. If they know, they feel like, you know, they know him on a personal level. So,
2: um, and, yeah. and, and I'll add to you there, there is no question that that also colors the way you write about them in the future, too. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you uh, – Sonny Gray had a rough stretch last year. Chris, G- Greg Bird had a rough stretch this year. I have no que- no doubt that it helps me in my reporting on the team in general to have spent a lot of time with Greg Bird and to know a little bit about him. That that makes me understand the other 24 guys on the roster better, too, um, mm-hmm. you know, the things that we're able to do to humanize these players for our readers, I think that that helps us in everything that we do to understand a little bit more about them and to understand a little bit more about what is so hard about being a major league baseball player, what is so rewarding about it too. But I totally agree with you that, you know, I think it's a big service that Yankees magazine does to make sure that, you know, the players' stories are getting through to the fans.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm proud to be a part of the team. I'm proud of The product that we put out every single month, I see how hard we work every single month to get the best stories and to entertain in the most innovative and creative and fun ways so that Yankees fans who are notoriously hard to please (laughs) are excited and, you know, happy to pick up a magazine or get one in the mail. I think what we do is, it's hard and it's a lot of work, but I think the final product I'm proud of it every single month. So it's very cool. Absolutely. All right, guys. That was a, that was a fun mailbag. Yeah. Episode. Thank you
1: to everybody who sent in questions. This was fun. We yeah. should, we should do it again sometime. And we don't need to just do it as a mail, but anytime
2: you do have a question, anytime you have a, you're curious about something, I hope that you'll, uh, if you're listening to this now, uh, I hope you'll, you know, reach out and we can, you know, whether it's just us responding to you personally, or maybe it's something that for us to talk about on a mm-hmm. future episode, but it's, uh, it, it's fun to see the feedback we got to this. And, you know a lot of the things that were asked are questions that i definitely would have had of you know people in other magazines so Absolutely. and questions that i do often ask other writers when i meet them so
0: yeah so keep the questions coming to podcast at yankees.com or on twitter at yanks magazine and check out all of our uh, feature stories and different content that we have it's on yankees.com magazine and uh, as many of you know, or most of you should know, three of these lucky question askers are going to receive tickets to a Yankees game next year. We have chosen three winners. We will be in touch with them in the coming days or so. And uh, congratulations to you.
2: And speaking of free tickets, I think now is an excellent time to mention that uh, you know we are doing our annual... or. I guess we're hoping to make an annual. This mm-hmm. is the second year we're doing it. Special holiday ticket offer. If you subscribe to Yankees Magazine right now um, for the special price of $29.99, we're going to throw in two tickets, a voucher for two tickets to a select game in 2019. Let me just be clear when I'm explaining what I'm saying here. $29.99 gets you the eight issues of Yankees Magazine, and two free tickets there is literally no way to get two yankees tickets that is cheaper than mm-hmm. that 29.99 no, it's just not possible like <laughs> and,
0: literally the math doesn't work and so you're also getting a
2: free <laughs> subscription to yankees magazine i don't understand why you would not do that if you want to go to a yankees game Go to Yankees.com slash publications. It's one of several holiday offers we have right now. We're also offering, you know, some some different packages, some multi-year offers. Um, all the offers we have on right now, they'll come with two free tickets. If you are a current subscriber and you would like to renew you can still get the ticket offer. Um, we'll add it to your account. So go, again, go to yankees.com slash publications or call eight hundred GO YANKS, and they'll walk you through all of the options we have for the holiday season. Th- it's a great holiday gift.
1: It is. Yeah, last get a subscription
0: year, for you. Get one for your friend. Get my for mom your bought like
1: eight subscriptions last <laughs> year and just gave them out to people as gifts. It's a, it's a wonderful gift. And
2: give, it, it's a, the, it's a gift that you can give them some give them a certificate now, saying you're giving it to them, and then over the course of the entire year, whether it's the ticket voucher for two free tickets or all the magazines it's ai uh, can't believe i'm gonna say this but it's quite literally the gift that keeps giving <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh john did you just make that up come I, on wow someone
2: should In- make that a saying incredible <laughs> <laughs> uh all
0: right yes check that out yankees.com publications and uh thanks guys I'll talk to you soon awesome bye